0: Exegesis. Hello, and welcome to Countdown to Exegesis, your listen along Steely Dan podventure. I am Andrew Souter and I am joined, as ever, by emeritus professor of Danology at the Fagan Institute. It's Dr. Oliver Piper. How are you, Ollie? Hi. Um, hi. <laughs> <laughs> you well? I'm so I'm so
1: I'm so thrown by being like on the receiving end of intro hood. Yeah. I know how you feel now, every time. I'm, just, I'm sitting on a pedestal, like, poking <laughs> you and playing with you in this unfamiliar world of Dan. Yeah, exactly. And now I know how it, I know how it feels. I'm giving you a taste of your own sweet, sweet medicine. I've, I've grown. Mm, mm. Thank you. Well, today we're listening to Brooklyn. Well, we have listened to Brooklyn. We're chatting deep, deep shit about Brooklyn.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Should, we, um, should we do some song facts?
0: Well, before we get into the song facts, oh um, shit! Yeah, we shit the listeners' favourite segment, the feature, Ollie. What about the feature?
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's because I haven't written it in my notes. Usually, I remind myself that like we have to, we have to put ourselves through this again. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. But no, let's just let's just. uh, Do you want to ask me since you're Mister Intro? Oh, exciting! I feel like the bell of the ball. What are you drinking? So today, Andrew, mm-hmm. I'm going to be Kate Bush. Uh, I Today, I'm drinking a simple, elegant Bordeaux. Mm. What um, are you drinking, Andrew? What, what's, um, <laughs> what's on your lips this, so, this evening? Uh,
0: well, uh, I am drinking red wine. Um, but... Ooh, price please. So well, I made the mistake of not buying the bottle of wine from the supermarket. So I bought it from the offie, which means that you have to pay like a pound extra for the quality of wine that you're drinking. If you see what I mean, so mm-hmm. so I, I I've got a, a very shit yellow tail Merlot, which cost me seven ninety nine, and I resented paying that seven ninety nine because you could get it for like five ninety nine from Sainsbury's and it is a bad
1: bottle of wine i i do i do feel and you know i'm not one for for alcohol or wine snobbery mm-hmm. but ha- having drinking this like actually quite good wine i do feel like the pleasant warmth of
0: superiority rising up in me absolutely i'm quite right too and and that feeling of superiority will only rise more when i reveal to you that i have decanted half of the bottle of wine into a measuring jug <laughs> And I'm um, pouring myself small glasses of this sort of corner shop piss uh, from a a mug usually used to make gravy. Um, and as long as you haven't been sick in it at any point, no, 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 not recently Good. but um the reason the reason for that is that I don't trust myself with a bottle of wine because you and I in you know, as a whole, we enjoy these podcast experiences. If I feel like I'm having a good time, I'm going to drink that bottle of wine. Mm -hmm. Right? And I've got work tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So I thought I'm going to decant half the bottle into the measuring jug and give myself little little top-ups as we go along. And then, if, come the break, you know, I fancy a, a little bit more of this sort of kind of, like, tepid fruit juice, I can always do that. I think we
1: started this segment, didn't we, to kind of go, um, to kind of go. Let's kind of suggest that we are in a slightly DIY way trying mm-hmm. to live the live the Dan dream <laughs> yeah. of, of, of the kind of overspending, mentally fractured, yeah, an antihero. And it really hasn't become that, has it? I know. I know we <laughs> not, we, not just, at all. Just because every. And I know I, I know I rip on this segment every time, and, mm. and we still do it, so there has to be some value in it, to us at least. Mm. Um, but, you know, every time we basically say, it's a Tuesday and I've got work tomorrow, <laughs> yeah. so I don't want to hit it too hard. <laughs> yeah. Which really isn't very Dan at all. Yeah. And, and also, and now you're drinking wine out of a jug, which actually...
0: <laughs> I think, yeah. That is quite Dan it's quite Danish. I, I'm that not sure is whether it's Gaucho. It... Yeah. 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 It's like, I'm in a sort of bohemian, um, flat chair in LA with a load of, uh, a load of sort of CD down and out people looking for fucking and sucking, um, mm-hmm. and skag. And it's like, it's three in the morning. Most people yeah, are passed yeah, out. Yeah. I've got a bottle of wine. I say to some, uh, young sex worker. I'm like, hey, you know, you got a corkscrew, uh, and then we realise that we don't have any wine glasses. So I go to the kitchen, I get the measuring jug, um, and we talk about jazz. <laughs> <laughs> and then you spend, and then you
1: reach, you you know, you spend your fifties just agonising over that night and writing in your memoirs. I could have fucked her. These questions will be answered in a splendid exegesis. So, do you want some song facts now? Yes, please. I do actually have a lot of notes about this song, which is slightly surprising because I do. I think this is. I think this is well liked, but but it is a, a, another deep cut. I mean, there's everything's yeah. a deep cut on this album apart from two songs, three songs yeah. really. So. Uh, what are we on? Brooklyn Brooklyn, open parentheses. O's the Charmer under me, close parenthesis um, this never came out anywhere, uh, I mean barring compilations and things, this wasn't a B-side or a single or anything um, what is I'm not sure if we've come, aso- come across a song like this before, but this definitely does the rounds on the numerous, like, unauthorised early demo compilations out there uh Ooh. I don't know if you're aware of these, but for some for some kind of legal loophole or or whatever, a lot of Becker and Fagin's early songs prior, prior to Dan uh are, are put together in different configurations or compilations. Um so so Brooklyn is one of those songs. Um there is a demo going out. There is a demo out there with Fagin singing, which I'll touch on a bit later. Ooh. Uh so this de- oh, I'm intrigued. So this definitely predates the album and is, and, and, and could well be like dino material. Um, and just to fill listeners in on what that means, uh, prior to making this album and falling, forming the Steely Dan Band, um, Becker and Fagin, well, carried around. I was going to say carried around. I like to imagine they carried it around. But this big book of songs, which they called Dynamite or Dino, and this is, in their heads, this was a, the stuff that was going to make them millions. And then they actually ended up like not, Actually, recording much of it, or all, or, you know, it, mm. for the, for this album, it was it was quite a split. So, but so this this is probably a Dino song, I would say. They considered this among the hard hitters, mm-hmm. the hit makers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: what else? The smashy and niceies.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Nice, uh, nice reference there for the over over thirty fives
0: in <laughs> yeah. in the UK. Uh, yeah. Um, um, can yep, I go can go go. I before you carry on with before you carry on with the song facts can I just say uh and this may be jumping the gun towards the music discussion of the song but um hearing this song in the context of the album it feels more than ever like the album is a collection of songs written as hard hitters like it kind of feels like a portfolio of songs that they've written to hawk around to different singers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's like you've got, um, you know, Dirty Work is a sort of soulful number, and then you've got the Latin thing on um, Only a Fool, and then this comes on and it's like country rock, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so it just, like, more and more, as I work through this song by song, it feels like, yeah, they've, they've sort of uh, uh, anthologized the songs that they think will be dynamite hits yeah i
1: agree um there's Mm. there's not much of a kind of thread of of a singular voice through the album really is there Mm. Um, and you know what what interestingly the next time in my opinion that an album feels like that is album three pretzel logic and that is an album that they have explicitly said is they were trying to write songs in like a two to three minute pop song format Mm -hmm. so um so yeah it's um there's a bit of bit of mirror, mirror image there. Um, it's it's quite a similar album to to Press and Logic, I think, in a lot of ways. I'm being really boring. Um, I'll give you some more facts. Uh, it's uh, this. Ollie, Ollie, don't be scared to actually talk about Steely Dad Well, you know, we'll get to that. We'll get we get there. We get there eventually, don't we? Sometimes we can we can talk more about my measuring joke. <laughs> So, this, this song, I don't know why I'm trying. You know Fuck the song facts. There's, there's more interesting. I'm not, that's not me getting a little bit annoyed, although it probably sounds like it. Um, mm-hmm. the, my other two song facts are really shit. So, <laughs> let's. T- I want to know them. Say them, and then we can always cut them out. So, it, this song lends its name to the Brooklyn Chalmers, a tribute band that dominates Steely Dan YouTube.
0: <laughs> yeah, that is boring. Uh, what's the other I'm not even going to say it. Oh, come on. It's so bad. Is this is this the first um, the first hissy fit of the series? It's,
1: it genuinely isn't a hissy fit. I'm just I'm just like I am just hit with self awareness that like this is just mm. like these are just pathetic song facts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that only makes me want to hear it even more, and we can always it can always uh, end up on the cutting room floor.
1: Oh. Connor Kennedy,
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Has sung this song live in in recent tours, and um, that's that's Steely Dan's new touring guitarist.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, that answers my question. <laughs> who the fu- <laughs> who the fuck is Connor Kennedy?
1: Should we vibe it?
0: Let's, let's. Who shall who shall we vibe first? The suits or the pipes? Well, <clears throat> well, my vibe summation, this episode kind of takes the form of sort of like a script. Okay, I'll go first. So, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, um, mine is
1: a little bit country, a little bit rock and roll, not very damn. Oh. That's my summation. Yeah. So, I, so yeah, I'll just let that hang in the air like a, like a stinky egg bomb. Um, mm-hmm. However, um, I will point out that I've been very clever.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you do need to point
1: that out for people. Mm. Because this is a... Uh, that song, a little bit country, but a little bit rock and roll, is a Donny and Marie Osmond song. And do you re- Who we mentioned do you remember last episode. They? Not last episode. You've 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 forgotten all about Fire in the hole as I did yeah, as well. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's easy to do. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no. So you know we're bringing them back. They're already part of Dan royalty for their mm. amazing kitsch cover of Reeling in the Years available on YouTube. Go and watch it. So yeah, uh, go, go. can I just say?
0: Can I just say before I before I relate my own vibe? Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to assure you, Ollie, that was very very clever. Well, let me just explain my motive for for telling you that I thought that was very, very clever, is I think you're going to think that my vibe summation is fucking stupid. Well, I can't argue with that until I've heard it, can I? Go ahead. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young are booked to be the house band on a cruise liner. They agree to the gig but Neil Young pulls out at the last minute when he discovers he will have to wear a suit on stage. David Crosby and Stephen Stills are too busy arm wrestling to notice his departure, so it falls to Graham Nash to save the day. Okay, so here's there now follows some like dialogue from a CSNY biopic that I'm writing on the side. I'm writing it on my lunch breaks um, and actually applying for some funding at the moment so if anyone wants to back my CSNY biopic just hit me up um, i genuinely don't know if you're being serious phone rings that's a stage direction yeah okay nash hey gary cats it's graham look man i need you to do me a solid gary cats oh sorry man i'm all out of resin very good nash no man you don't understand. I'm from Blackpool, England, and over there, doing a solid means doing somebody a favour. Gary Katz. Oh, that's tight, man, tight. G. Graham, you're such a lovable guy with a great tenor voice. So what can I do for you? Nash. Long, dramatic pause. Get me the number of David Palmer. Scene. Thank you, thank you. Basically, what I'm driving at here, in in a, a bleak way, is that the song to me sounds like Crosby, Stills and Nash, we're on a cruise liner. You know, they're they're, they're performing at lunchtime and then at dinner time. I forgot for... this was a vibes. I, I, was, I was just retirees. so carried along with the with the drama. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, please do contribute to my crowdfunding. Um, you think it... so? You know, so Cros- Sorry, go on, go on. So Crosby, Stills and Nash, they are the house band on a cruise liner for rich retirees, you know, retired generals from the Second World War and their wives and stuff. And they're at the bar in their suits and tuxes and people are drinking pina coladas. And David Palmer has replaced Neil Young because Neil Young is too much of a cool dude to ever play on a cruise liner. And that is the, that is the vibe for me. It's like very, very slick, yacht-based... Country rock. Uh, in the in the wheelhouse of CSNY, mm-hmm. but it's more on a armory, more more boaty on a on a boat exactly. There's the the you can see the sun setting over Trinidad and Tobago or whatever. Affluent geriatric boat rock. Yes, that is. Thank you. I could have just not bothered with any of that (laughs) shit. (laughs) I think your scene setting was needed
1: for for that to make any sense. So let's move on to section two in earnest, where we talk about the music.
0: Are you doing an impression of me?
1: No, I was just doing. Uh, I was just uh, before I descend into like full on brummie. I, I I tend mm. to do a kind of radio caster voice, I guess. So nice. My yeah, yeah, my yeah. radio caster voice is somewhere near your normal speaking voice, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shall we address first of all the David in the room? This is our second. Oh, I see. Vocal. <laughs> lead vocal performance by Mr. David Palmer. Yeah. Um who is uh I don't know. He's he's already he's already like developed such a standing in Exegesis history, hasn't he? Yeah. We love David Palmer in his in his own little way. He's 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 like the way Beatles fans feel about Pete Best. Or whatever yeah. you know. It, yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah. It's like this. Oh, what could have been this 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 figure, and it's kind of fascinating, and you want to poke him. Yeah. 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 But this is this is his second and last vocal lead now. So after this, we say goodbye to the palms. Uh, Big palms himself.
0: I like Palm Boy. Yeah. Um, because doesn't also doesn't uh, I don't think we mentioned this on the. Relevant episode, but um, isn't Palmer doubling Fagin on? Is it Reeling in the Years? He sings on Reeling. Um Yeah, one of the big choruses.
1: Yeah, I mean he does. He does like he does chorus backing vocals on a few songs. It's not like mm. it's not like he's he has two appearances and then kaput.
0: Mm. But he because it's again again it it would contribute to a complex, wouldn't it? Because you know, we, we in the King's episode, we talked about how the chorus is sort of buried under a a mass of gospel singers. Uh-huh. You know, so it's like at every turn, Gary Katz and the ABC bigwigs are burying Fagan. Yeah, but as as we said then, like
1: Dan would bury every chorus in gospel singers come Gaucho. So um, mm-hmm. if 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 it was a if it was a slight on Fagan, he um, he made good on that slight, yeah, um well, okay, let's talk about the demo let's let's park palm boy for a second, mm-hmm. our favorite Mr. Palmer, and let's talk about the demo um I mean, if you want to we can have we can have a little break while you listen to the demo but um but basically, what I' would say is if you want to hear Fagin really do a Dylan impression,
0: oh I so want to hear that
1: like. Listen to the demo because, like, well, first of all, it's it's like if I, if I've never heard the demo before, and I've never heard Fagan so blatantly do like imitate Dylan's vocal inflections and things. Um, mm. and also the demo is just something of like a it's a dirge, really. Um, it's uh like the album version like skips
0: by in comparison. Yeah,
1: it, it's it, the demo version is like six minutes long.
0: Right, which I yeah I can in itself is a Dylan-esque move. Mm. So because it seems it seems like they were drawing mostly on Highway sixty one revisited.
1: You're really at that
0: at that point Dylan is like writing six minute seven minute songs just mm -hmm. for breakfast. You know.
1: I mean, like, yeah, your your you your exegesis. For my benefit mm. is 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 all the is all the kind of Dylan, the points of of Dylan comparison because I really don't know Dylan, so mm. you're teaching me a lot. Well, about i where, where I can I, where where Dan have have, Dylan, Dylan. Well, I've got some more more of that
0: uh, exegesis for you. Do
1: you want to do you want to actually listen to it because I'd I'd be interested to hear you at least at least just like until Fagan starts singing. I just I would like to hear your. Um, yeah, your, your sure, impression yeah, yeah. and listeners if you want to go and do the same, search Brooklyn Demo on YouTube. Um and we'll we'll just we'll jingle now and then come back.
0: Yeah, so what do you think of the demo? I think the demo is really nice. You think it's better? Would you say on that short listen that it's better? Um that's a that's a hard question because I think that the album version is like very sweet and toffee like. Mm-hmm. As in, it really like it kind of hits the spot. Mm-hmm. It's a really sweet arrangement. David Palmer sounds great. But that demo version, it feels more distinctive because Fagin's voice is less conventional. Yeah, you think,
1: I think what they were, I
0: think now that you said like it,
1: like this is, you know.
0: Indicative. This is
1: indicative of a Dylan influence of his like epic songs. Uh, I think it, you yeah, know, it's possible that's kind of what they were going for. Whereas whereas the album mm. version in comparison feels like a feels like a pop song. It feels it feels breezy, although it's
0: longer, but breezy in a similar way similar yeah. way to something like Dirty Work or or Only a Fool. Like yeah, you you could say it feels like a Crosby, Stills and Nash song with David Palmer fronting it, but they're on a cr- Cruise line, yeah,
1: okay, interesting. Yeah. You know, yeah, awesome. yeah, 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 yeah. How did you, yeah. How did you come yeah. out with that out of the blue? That's incredible. Um, yeah, so can we talk? Yeah. So, okay, we've heard the demo. Can we talk Palmer and his version? Um, yes, I think this suits Palmer's voice more so
0: even than Dirty Work. Are you saying that because at near the end of the song, he goes, Oh, hoo 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 no, although I'm sure that informed my opinion to a certain extent, because <laughs> I thought that that moment is not one that uh, Fagin could execute. He would attempt it, or or indeed I could execute, <laughs> as I've just <laughs> as I've just committed to tape. Well, I'll, I'll
1: tell you why I think it suits Palmer's voice. Um, is because, like, when you hear okay, going back to the demo, when you hear the demo. Mm. There is, um, and Fagan singing it, and whenever Fagan sings anything, and I love Fagan's voice, but mm-hmm. if if you assume that Fagan is presenting a lyric as fact, right, you you imagine that he's then going backstage and laughing at you in the dressing room for even thinking he was serious. Okay, do you know what I mean, like, like. I do. There's know what always you mean, a second but that's, guessing... that's
0: not on show on on this album.
1: Yeah. Okay, but. Palmer sounds like the most earnest man <laughs> in in the in this arm of the galaxy. You know, he, he sounds yeah. so. So you can't you can't come away from the song without thinking it's anything but like sincere and positive. And I think only Fagan mm-hmm. could. Uh, I think only Palmer could bring that to this song. So it, it, it yeah, it, it stands as a it stands as a really nice kind of sincere and we'll talk about it, the truth of its sincerity a bit later, but I think like just the, the impression you get from it is just like it's just like a lovely song sung by an earnest man mm-hmm. in an earnest way. Um yeah. And yeah, and he's he's got smooth pipes. So it all works. Yeah.
0: And, and and I think the earnestness is now now that you've used that word, I think the earnestness is what lends it its kind of FM radio quality. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It it, it sounds like a a hit, Mm -hmm. even though it wasn't one. No, no, no. um, Yeah, it's like, I can imagine cruising down a freeway with a broad and, uh, you know, sticking on country FM and Brooklyn comes on and just winding down that roof and letting the, the wind kiss my hair. Yeah, and you, you've mentioned country a few times, um,
1: mm-hmm. and uh, this album is this album is often described as like folk rock, or, or having folk yeah. rock influences, which, to me as a Brit who has who has had some dark days in in the, in the grip of folk rock fandom, mm-hmm. um, like it means something completely different to me. I think I think when Americans does it say, mean tull? Well, well, not even Tull. It's like it just makes me think of like dead sailors haunting promiscuous widows, you know, mm. like yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. A, 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 like jumpers soaked with sea and salt. Yeah, yeah. Saturday night at my place. <laughs> Good one. Um, Thanks. Whereas <laughs> I guess I guess what they're getting at is like it's <laughs> it's country tinged what it is, um, yeah. but even in the British sense, I think this is the closest thing to to folk rock on the album um yeah just because it's it's simple um it's got a it's got a classic ballad structure in, in the classic sense of being like a series of verses with a refrain at the end
0: mm-hmm. which
1: is which is in the folk rock idiom that's a that's a ballad you know um so uh yeah so yeah it's, it, this is this is the folk rock song I would say so you're you Crosby uh Crosby on a boat um emergency
0: Palmer phone call mm. uh, skit. Was... It's, it's a load of shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I disagree. I, I think that this is the most country rock song on the album. Obviously, that's partly because of uh, Skunk Baxter's Pedal Steel. Mm-hmm. Masterfully um, done. Ma- really very nice, I would say. Very lovely. Um, and it it remind like the, when I listened to this initially, the first thing that leapt to mind was Ben Keith, who was the pedal steel player for Neil Young, okay, um, like on Tonight's the Night and other albums. Like it's very to me. I could imag- if if you try and like orally imagine this song. Do I mean orally? mentally imagine? This song, but sung by Neil Young, it fits perfectly.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm not enough of a, I'm not enough of a youngster to. Uh...
0: A race of angels. Man, 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 man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Does that help? Yeah. So to me, this puts me in mind of early to mid '70s Neil Young. It puts me in mind of the Flying Burrito Brothers. It's like tuneful country rock with beautiful pedal steel. But the thing that that belongs neither to folk rock nor to country rock is the first chord. I haven't checked, I haven't tried it out on the guitar, but I'm fairly sure that the first chord of this song, which recurs every verse and chorus, is like a sus chord. Um... Which doesn't really belong to those genres as like a vamp chord. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you get, you get sus chords, but not as the introduction to a song.
1: No, I get your point. Is that is that the 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 um, the cruel mistress jazz is is finding mm-hmm. her way into even even Steely Dan's most countryish cut? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so the other. Uh, one one of the other big pillars of of yacht rock, if you can even call them that, they were they're in the same sort of there was a Venn diagram crossover certainly Fleetwood Mac. Um, mm-hmm. This makes me think of like uh, like a Stevie Nicks deep cut.
0: Ollie I've never fancied you more <laughs> than when you just than when you just said <laughs> the phrase Stevie Nicks deep cut. <laughs> I was just like, let's. When the when this madness, when this pandemic madness is all over, (laughs) let's go for a cocktail. That was so hot. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: you know if if, do you know Sarah from Tusk?
0: Yes, I do. And and like,
1: um. Well,
0: I say I know it. I've heard it once. Okay.
1: Well, Stevie Nicks has a habit of like of, of of basically at least in the 70s like having a repeated chord sequence and the way it sounds like she's written the song is mm-hmm. to keep that chord sequence going and basically improvise over it and pick her favorite bits of the improvisations so it's yeah. so it's harmonically simple in 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 a sort of horizontal fashion mm. but uh but but interesting things happen over it because she's she, she's mm. she's playing around and going on a journey. This feels a bit like Steely Dan's equivalent of that. It's it's it should be boring, but it isn't. Okay, on to section 3, the lyrics. Mhm. Um the words. The words and the word, capital W about Lord Jesus. Well, we are blessed with the word of God for this song. Mhm. Uh the Becker. For once a member of Steely Dan has at least on the surface, appearing to be like explaining what the song is about. So Walter Becker said this, and I'm not going to try and do a Becker voice. No, please,
0: please do a Becker voice.
1: Well, the charmer was a guy who lived under Donald's apartment <laughs> when we were in Brooklyn, and the song is just a bunch of things that the guy and his wife had coming to them, you know, for the uh, for the indignities that they suffered living in Brooklyn sitting on the stoop and just shooting the shit about the Mets and that kind of thing for 20 years. So, you see, the song does yield to a valid interpretation. So, do we take Becca at his word? That is the question. Um, Is this that rare unicorn of a straightforward, well-meaning, emphasis mine, song by Steely Dan? Is this... Is this is this Steely Dan singing a song about a guy that they thought was a good guy and want to shower applaud, it's on him. <laughs> because although we haven't referenced yeah. any of the lyrics yet, the lyrics are basically a list of nice things that they want to give a person, isn't it?
0: Um, can I be frank? Yes, go ahead. I found it Hi, really, frank. really hard to... Oh, God.
1: Nice to meet you. Where's Andrew gone?
0: Oh, <laughs> <Well>, stop it! <laughs> <laughs> if I can be frank, Suitor, for a second, um, I found this lyric incredibly hard to focus on, and I, I just can't get a handle on them at all. Like, I don't know... It's describing a bloke... In Brooklyn, presumably. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I'm finding it really hard to latch onto anything. Right. So, can you, for, for for my sake and for the sake of any other like Dan uh, novitiates, like what is the what, what is the one sentence summary of this lyric? Steely Dan
1: list some pleasantries some fantastical mm-hmm. some mundane that they would like to bestow <laughs> on a, on a downstairs neighbour of donald fagan
0: okay but if you don't if you don't have access to becker's remark about the downstairs neighbour mm-hmm. which presumably was way after the fact that wasn't in 1972 I,
1: i'm not sure when the interviews from but
0: it, it, yeah presumably yeah so if if you don't have that nugget of information, I would say it's not at all clear that it's about a downstairs neighbour. Okay, no, okay. Let's take a different tact. What did you take
1: from the lyric "Brooklyn knows the charmer under me," which is the refrain of the song?
0: Um, not very much. I think that was part of the problem for me in trying to enter the lyric was that the refrain didn't speak much to me. Um I guess it paints a picture of a Brooklyn charmer. <laughs> that's all of that's all I've Well got. no, I think
1: you're probably right. Um in that like in that I think I think what they're delighting in there is having a having a chorus refrain, Brooklyn owes the charmer under me. Mm-hmm. which without context sounds completely cryptic. Yeah. And they're probably delighting in the fact that they're literally talking about a charming person who lives in Brooklyn, who is who is owed some mm. good things, who lived under Donald Fagan, literally underneath him.
0: <laughs> yeah, but but yeah. I mean this is I have a feeling that this is going to come up again and again because you've dropped some hints in previous episodes that later Dan lyrics are like stuffed full of private oblique references. Yeah, so once you've heard once you've read this interview <laughs> you understand that this is a reference to some woman they knew at college or whatever. And I feel this is going to pop up again and again. So, the fact that we know that uh, this is a reference somebody a downstairs neighbor doesn't actually mean that that's what the chorus line says. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. No, but that it's mm. like it, it 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 could be it could be that the charmer is socially inferior.
1: Yeah. No. And and yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. And that's that's probably an interpretation that they they may have expected. Mm-hmm. I, probably uh, probably they may have yeah okay yeah I get your point I think this is kind of the reason that something like the Steely Dan Dictionary exists which is a website which has been around since like early noughties internet right Which which mm. elucidates all these kind of references in Steely Dan and part of like part of the joy of Steely Dan is feeling like you're part of this club that can pick apart these mm. references. So, in the process of exegesis, there is a <laughs> nice. There is a uh, you know, there's there's a kind of, there's a kind of picking apart of, of 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 the of the deliberate
0: obscurities. Do you think that there's a comparison here with the fall?
1: Yeah, definitely. Because there's that there's that website which like literally yeah. like analyze deep analyzes deep reads the fall, isn't there? Um,
0: yeah, the annotated fall uh, or the fall yeah, annotated. Like, yeah, like like
1: Steely Dan dictionary is is the Dan equivalent um, mm. of, of that. And yeah, I think I think it's kind of. Um, I think I, I think you know the I, I think it's it's kind of part of the of the joy of the dichotomy of the Dan, right? Is that like, is that like, there's a surface wall of impenetrability of, of, of just kind of, just kind of like a, 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 a a maelstrom of like allusion to the listener, which, which in, in getting to know the song and, Researching it because Steely Dan tends to attract the kind of people who are going to research, spend yeah. their evenings researching it. <laughs> you know, it's it starts yeah. to, it starts to bear fruit beyond its beyond its kind of beyond its kind of uh, castle walls which they've erected around each and every song. <laughs> so, you know, mm. to keep to keep out the people who don't put the time or effort in, which is quite similar to The Fall in a lot of ways, actually, now, now that you mention yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: but The Fall are exciting. And The Dan is not. <laughs> yeah. Can you shed some insight, Ollie, into the opening line of this song? Because maybe it's just my tiredness or, or density, but I can't, like, pass it at all. So the, so the opening line is, a race of angels bound with one another. So in the context of the song, what do you think that's referring to? So I basically think
1: that, so I'll, it's to complete the lyric.
0: A race of angels bound with one another. A dish of dollars laid out for all to see. A tower room at Eden Rock. His golf at noon for free. Brooklyn owes the charmer under
1: me so i think i think simply like this is i i think i think this is a funny i think i think steely dan are doing a funny for themselves here oh. where where oh. it's it's the kind of i guess you know the sublime and the ridiculous or or, or more accurately like the 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 fantastic versus the mundane so they're they're mm-hmm. opening with these very grand sounding lyrics about angels and and like buffet spreads of money and then mm-hmm. and then hit, and then down to the mundanity of of like a, a hotel room and playing golf like i think i think to a certain extent they're finding that funny and i think also it serves to kind of go well actually for this guy um who has been on hard times his whole life and has just dealt with it like a, a, a hotel room and a free golf session is probably going to be just as appreciated or just as fan- fantastical as uh, a, a, as a kind of stream of angels hand in hand.
0: Okay, that's my so, uh, so yeah. It, I, I think it,
1: it, I think they're kind of having fun and kind of making a point. Mm. <laughs> uh,
0: so is Eden Rock a hotel?
1: Uh huh. So Eden Rock, well. This brings us to the first appearance of Dictionary Corner.
0: Oh, I like it. I
1: like it already. So this is the first song which is co- which, in which a, a reference is covered by the Steely Dan Dictionary.
0: Okay. So
1: I'll quote you from the Steely Dan Dictionary. Mm-hmm. Eden Rock refers to Eden Rock. <laughs> a luxury resort hotel in Miami Beach, Florida. It okay. was built in the mid 1950s and was considered one of the most elegant and luxurious hotels of its time. Even though the official Steely Dan lyrics have always spelled it Eden Rock with a K, it is actually Eden Roc, without the K. Um, the unusual spelling comes from its French namesake, the Eden Rock Pavilion, part of the Hotel du Cap Eden Rock in Antibes on the French Riviera. Okay?
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So, they're talking about a they're talking about a night in a luxury hotel.
0: Yeah, or in Florida, or which is miles away from Brooklyn, or are they? Because cut to jingle.
1: <laughs> because someone on Genius, which mm-hmm. you know, Genius, it's it's it has its merits, but we we're we're a bit snooty about it because sometimes the contributions are you know, a little bit tinfoil hat. Yes. Um, but someone on Genius pointed out that the Eden Rock, spelt with a K, is an unremarkable apartment building in Brooklyn. Nice. Right. Completely obscure apartment building, but I checked this out. I searched for the Eden Rock, and it mm. is a Brooklyn apartment building, built 1956, so... Well within the realm of knowledge of of becca of Fagin at this time. Mm-hmm. um so i would i would posit that the double meaning of that may well be intentional they what well they want the listener to think they're talking about the posh hotel, but by spelling it with the with the k the crucial k, they are actually alluding to. A fairly unremarkable apartment building which mm-hmm. uh, which has as if to say that even even a even a tower even the top room of this kind of like what like five story building would be like luxury for this man
0: mm. i mean that just seems quite mean uh Yeah, it does, it, does it? Yeah. Well, I don't think it's saying
1: you don't deserve it, but just that like you're, you know, you have, um, you have, you have been happy or at least something like happy in life with far, far less. So at least you um, owe him something, Brookin, at least give him the top floor of Eden rock, um, the, that corner brownstone that no one second glances at.
0: Yeah, I think the meanness that I'm sensing comes from the opening line. Because, like you said, it's like pathetic, isn't it? it it's sort of setting up that we're talking about something really elevated and mystical, a race of angels bound with one another, and then we're plummeting down to earth You know, it's like actually these people's aspirations, their dreams are kind of petty. All they need is some shitty hotel in Brooklyn and some golf. You know what I mean? It just seems a little a little snooty. Well, I think you could say that if Fagan
1: and Becca were being were rock stars at this point, but they were like they had just come out of university and were living in the same
0: slummy building as this guy presumably mm-hmm. um yeah but again that's 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 something we have to import from outside the yeah the yeah yeah no yeah no as as, yeah.
1: As, as as you should keep reminding me um <laughs> uh so the beneficiary we should say is president street pete sorry could you say that <laughs> <our> sentence again <laughs> so to give that the proper context so as we've as we've said um in previous episodes, Steely Dunn put a uh, a little note next to every song in the original liner notes. Yes. Um, and yeah. the liner notes of this song say, President Street Pete is the beneficiary here. Okay. So, presumably President Street Pete is the guy who lived under Donald.
0: Yeah.
1: I just wanted to get your feeling on it, right, because I've also heard that this song is a like various things. Like this is about a a dude who went through life catching freebies, you know, um, and they're basically, and they're basically taking the piss. That was one interpretation that might even be from genius. Right. Um, And I feel that those sort of interpretations are Dan fans like trained to hear snark and like, and Mm -hmm. delighted by, By the reward of snark, Mm. are are projecting possibly projecting snark onto a song, which is actually just well-meaning.
0: I well, can I go off on a little Dylan tangent? Well, you've you've done it before. You can do it again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, fuck you! I haven't mentioned Randy Newman once, Mister Randy Newman, Randy. But it, it, it. it relates to what you're saying mm-hmm. about snark. So harmonically, the song borrows from Queen Jane, approximately
1: mm-hmm.
0: the the Dylan song. Um, and that song is on highway 61 visited, which is where can't buy a thrill. The title comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, it, this does address your point about, is this a sincere song or is it a snarky song? Because I feel that what, dan liked about dylan was the snark so queen jane approximately is a snarky song Um, but i I would like to read a sentence from the wikipedia page (laughs) for queen jane approximately the song incorporates several attitudes towards the subject including condescension self-righteousness contempt compassion as well as sneering so, what are the what are the um, traits in that sentence which they share with Steely Dan? I would say it's everything but compassion. Well, generally speaking, at least on
1: uh, no on this album, on this album. Generally speaking, I think, but this is, but you know, I don't think this is the only compassionate song that Dan have ever written. If if this is indeed a compassionate song, I don't think that's I don't think that's a a feeling that's. Outside their big book of feelings.
0: <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I'm sure not. But I've listened to eight Steely Dan songs, and I would say compassion is in short supply. If you think, the, that the, if you the, the, think the overall that, tone, if the tone
1: you've got from this album is <laughs> all those other all those other nasty emotions. Yeah. Then yeah. fuck, you are not going to know what's hit you by the time we get to the Royal Scam. Honestly.
0: Well, but I. But I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I'm just... It's in answer to your question about, like, is Brooklyn a sort of jolly, tender song about some local eccentric? Or is it a mean, nasty song puncturing his pretensions? And I'm just thinking that, like, this is clearly a song that draws on Queen Jane approximately. The album draws on... It Takes a Lot to Laugh, It Takes a Train to Cry... Fagan is doing an impression of Dylan on the demo of this song. Like, maybe the thing that they're taking from Dylan is a sort of pomposity, puncturing vibe, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, so maybe... So, like, a dish of dollars laid out for all to see suggests ostentation, doesn't it? It suggests people who are, like, flaunting their
1: wealth. So, look, okay, look, I didn't want to do this. I think I'm going to... But fuck you. (laughs) I think think I'm going to have to bring out my smoking gun. Okay. Which is the deleted verse from the demo.
0: Oh. Okay, so... That's good. That's good radio. My sentry trembles. He feels the end is coming. His face is scowling. Inside, he's on his knees. If looks and dreams could surely kill he would long be gone from here Brooklyn owes the charmer under me what do you think of that to that uh well the the first line was the century trembles." my century trembles my century trembles um love minus zero by Bob Dylan the bridge at midnight trembles the country doctor rambles well look it's
1: it's no it's no secret that. That Dan lifted, at least lyrically, from Dylan, and you've pointed out some musical things. Um, effect, effectively, yeah. what we're saying we're not disagreeing about the fact it's a, it's 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 a it's a Dylan
0: mm.
1: homage, if you like. Right. What I'm saying is there's a possibility that this might just be a nice song.
0: Yeah, but I think there is a. I, I would just say that I think in the Brooklyn lyrics there are there, there there's like a an aura of superficiality about the people they're describing. So a dish of dollars laid out for all to see suggests people, like, rubbing wealth in their visitors' faces. The fact that his golf at noon for free is some highlight of this guy's life suggests a fairly vacuous existence, not that there's anything wrong with golf, and I love getting things for free. But, you know. (laughs) Well, it's it's really interesting. I, I think it's a very cryptic... Lyric, And I have a feeling that this is a foretaste of lyrics to come. Purely because you've started quoting from the Steely Dan Dictionary, you're saying there's multiple possibilities for what Eden Rock is. You know, I feel we're heading into this kind of slightly hermetically sealed universe.
1: So the time has come for our verdicts. Um, Long time listeners will know that we use a a very nuanced rating system um, which is if it's good it's a royal slam and if it's bad it's a royal scam. So Andrew
0: scam or slammo? Um, I'm conflicted. I don't know, I don't know, because I don't know what I'm saying. If I say it's a slam or a scam anymore, so like episode one, I said do it again was a scam. You did, but that was that was one of the bet. That's one of the better songs on the album. So the whole album has let you down. Is what you're saying? Well, what all I'm saying is that like, you know, are we are we aiming for objectivity here? Are we aiming? Am I supposed to be saying that this is like? I mean, it sounds like you're questioning the nuance of the rating system. (laughs) I'm basically questioning, like, what is is value in music? Because, okay, so this song, I would say, is a pleasant, inoffensive uh, slice of country rock. It's got some lovely pedal steel. Palmer sounds good. The melody is good. It's been going around my head endlessly for the past three days. So is that slam worthy? Is
1: is the is the song on your favourite album, which takes four or five listens to sink in, slam slam worthy? I you know I as I as I said earlier prematurely. Mm. I think you know this this for me is the slow burn, and I think I think Brooklyn is um, it would never be a pop hit but i think it has um i think it's a better song than some of the other deep cuts on the album mm. looking at you midnight cruiser um yeah, looking at you fire in the hole. I would say it's looking at you kings i would say it's the best of the b tier deep cuts and thus and this deserves a slam status uh, this is a slam for me
0: So the best of the B B tier is a slam. So what in your world constitutes a scam? Midnight Cruiser. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay, fair enough. Well, I I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know what I think anymore. I can say with confidence that Dirty Work, only a fool would say that, and reading the Ears are slams, because I would listen to them for pleasure, I would play them to a friend... You know, I would make love to them, mm-hmm. um, but th- this song—it's like yes. I because of because of my commitment to this podcast, I've listened to it quite a lot, and it has gotten to my skin. I enjoyed it; it's nice, but it's not like. It, it's not now like a go. It, it hasn't lodged in my brain as like a good song. You know. Do I mean? we
1: need a third category?
0: A royal sham. Oh, so a Royal Sham would be a song that... Confuses Andrew Souter. (laughs) (laughs) No, I guess a Royal Sham would be a a song that appears to be good, but isn't on closer inspection. Or appears to be bad, but unveils its
1: juicy, juicy, juicy lumps as time goes on.
0: (laughs) Well, that sounds horrible. Yeah,
1: it does, doesn't it?
0: Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Ollie. I think I think genuinely, I'm gonna abstain on my vote. Okay. Well, well, by the time
1: we two episodes time when we finish up on this album, mm-hmm. I want you to have a firm answer for me, and you can. Re-
0: okay, it's a slam. It's a slam.
1: Okay. Great. All right? Great. And, and you. It's a slam, and it will be interesting at the end to see if you revised any of those.
0: Thank you for listening to Countdown to Exegesis, your listener along Steely Dan pod-venture. If you'd like to follow us on the old sock meds, you can do so on Instagram and Facebook at Countdown to Exegesis, or on Twitter at ExegesisPod. And uh, just to be frank and candid, it's me, Andrew, who is uh, captaining the social media accounts. I'm the one churning out Steely Dan memes without fully understanding what the joke is. Great, and we should
1: also mention that we have a old-fashioned email account at countdowntoexegesis at gmail.com in case anyone wants to get in touch with any longer form queries or suggestions. And we can also be followed individually myself via my band The Nature Centre which is The, Na- the Nature Centre on everywhere except Instagram which is The Nature Centre band and that's The Nature Centre spelt
0: in the Commonwealth fashion how about you Andrew? you can follow me on one of two avenues uh, one is my band Odmans Box which is spelled O-D-M-A-N-S-B-O-X or you can follow me in my solo guise as William William Rogers uh, that's Rogers with a D so R-O-D-G-E-R-S And that's on all the usual sock meds.
1: And if you enjoyed what you heard today, uh, give us a review, thumbs up, subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. It really helps. Cheers.